Good morning, West Coast. Good early afternoon, East Coast. And the boys are back. We took a little hiatus there. We had a bunch of stuff we had to get done for work. And we are finally back. It's good to be back with you guys. This is a very big week. I think week eight is one of the biggest weeks in terms of, you know, a season-long fantasy, especially if you're a team that's, that's uh, you know, a game under 500. The last thing you want to do is go two games under 500 here in the middle of the fantasy football season. Fitz, how you doing, buddy? Welcome back. Welcome back is right. I'm glad to be back with you, JP. My bankroll welcomes you back. We've been struggling in the last two weeks. We've missed these conversations, these Sunday morning check-ins to get the uh, the slate ready, to get us started off on a good note. It hasn't been happening in the last few weeks. Uh, I think we turned things around this week. I'm feeling good. Yeah, this is a big week again, like I just mentioned. If you just tuned in, let's get the ball rolling, foot rolling as usual. Uh, Fids is our wager pro here at sportsethos.com. So, Fids, what you got for us today on the slate? Yeah, I don't want to start off too bleak. I just want to point out, JP, although the last two weeks have not treated us as well as normal, we're still up over 10 units on the season. We are returning, you know, a nice 20% ROI on our bets. It's been, it's definitely been a great profitable season so far. The last two weeks, um, I've put in nine bets and I've been ahead of the market in seven of them. So I've gone seven and two in terms of beating the line and having closing line value. CLV is something I often talk about is one of the most important things you can have in, in NFL football. You want to bet on Monday, be ahead of the line when it moves on Wednesday and Thursday and any ticket that wins in the worst line, your better ticket also wins. So seven and two in those bets in my last nine, in my last two weeks, However, when those results have played out on the field, simply gone two and seven the other direction. So been taking a hit, even though the capping and the process is totally on point and still correct. So we stick to the method. We chalk it up as just, you know, random variants in sports gambling. And we move on. And this week starts off with the New England Patriots minus one against the New York Jets. I think this line has moved to like two and a half. So we're mm -hmm. clearly seeing some action on the Patriots now. I still really like it since it hasn't crossed the three, which is the most important number. Um, I think this is a get right spot for Bill Belichick, for the Patriots. I think this is a little bit of a reality check spot for the New York Jets. Uh, we know Corey Davis is out. He's actually Garrett, uh, Zach Wilson's most reliable weapon. So he's going to be relying on Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson. I know, those, I know those are guys we will talk about in a few minutes in terms of fantasy. Uh, Brees Hall being out, uh, means Michael Carter and now the new in-town James Robinson are going to be mm -hmm. splitting carries. Uh, I think you're going to look for the Jets to be very run heavy, and I think the Patriots are going to have a nice defensive formula to stop them. So I like the under in that game, and I really like the Patriots. I'm not on the under, but I do like it. I'm on the Patriots for sure. Um, Dolphins, money line or minus three and a half, minus four, I, I think are both bets worth taking. The Lions kind of look like a sinking ship right now. We do know that golf plays a lot better when he's at home. So like a little bit of uh, concern there that the Lions are getting healthy and they're back at home in the dome. However, I just think there's just too much speed and, and versatility for the Dolphins. This team is actually really loaded with talent. They look like they could be a deep playoff threat this year. Um, Tua looks okay. Knock on wood. You know, that's been scary all season, but he looks like he's okay. Good to go. So I like backing the Dolphins. And then my last one is going to be the Commanders plus three. 
I think the commanders have a better O-line and a better D-line than the Colts. And in a game where two backup quarterbacks are playing, give me the team with the better linemen and taking the points. It's as simple as You also as get that. a seasoned quarterback too, right? If you're taking Washington, you know. Yeah, you, two backup quarterbacks, but Heineke's played playoff. I mean, right. he's played against Tom Brady in the playoffs. So right. going against Sam Ellinger in a week eight ain't nothing, you know, too crazy for him. Ellinger is going to have his, you know, heart pounding for the first few snaps. He's going to have all the juices flowing. Give me the veteran quarterback in this game. Give me the better backup that I trust. And more importantly, give me the better team in the trenches for a game that's going to be super run heavy. Yeah. Uh, those, are, those are my like, you know, best bets for this week are Patriots, Dolphins, and Commanders. Yeah, and I think I like all those as well. And I think also in that Patriots-Dolphins game, I do like the over in that game as well. I think that's going to be um, you know a high-scoring type of, of, of affair going on in there. And as well as going back to the Jets, right? So you had just mentioned that Brees Hall is officially out for the rest of the season. And if you own James Robinson, you are thrilled that he's off of Jacksonville because of the timeshare that he had with Travis Etienne. However... I still think he's going to find himself in a timeshare, especially this week. So if you have James Robinson, I highly suggest to tamper your expectations, especially this week. This is Michael Carter's backfield this week, I believe. And I would I would bet to see more of a 60-40% uh, carry share in favor of Michael Carter this week. What do you think about that in terms of James Robinson's outlook this week? Yeah, so I'm thinking I'm, I'm trying to extrapolate that out. Say the Jets run the ball 20 times this week, just to use a nice easy round number. That means you're giving Carter 12, 13 touches, Robinson seven or eight. Yeah. I can easily see a nice little like Michael Carter has 14, 15 opportunities to James Robinson's eight or nine this week when you add in the few targets as well. Uh, I think they're actually both backfields to avoid this week in terms of fantasy. Also, not only the split purposes, but the matchup against the Patriots. If you're going right. to play one, you have to play Michael Carter if you have both. Um, I think in general for James Robinson's rest of the season outlook, this is a this is a dampening. I don't think – I think it's going to be a timeshare all season. I think at, yeah. at best this flips to a 60-40 in the Robinson case. I think it could stay, you know, close to 50-50. And we were seeing Brees come on in the sense that he was taking on the, the offensive workload from a carry perspective and he was the the – PPR guy. He was the reception back. He was the, you know, blocker and pass downs. That's going to be Carter's role. And Robinson's going to be the early down uh, chugger. That's kind of what they were doing with ETN in, in Jacksonville. And I expect right. the jets to kind of do the same thing. The only thing I could say in Robinson's favor is the jets did just give up draft capital to acquire him. And he is right. a for formerly undrafted player. So this is the most draft capital ever spent on James Robinson. So from that perspective, Hi, LeBron. From that <laughs> perspective, um, I do think that the Jets are going to try and get him the ball a little bit. I do think he will be the goal line back. He does have a nose for the end zone. So I think he becomes flex worthy instead of RB2. It's not a disaster, but it's not great. Yeah, and going back to that that comment that you made about the Patriots, right? What does Belichick do best? He takes away what you do best. I think Belichick's going to say, all right, Zach Wilson, you go ahead. You go out and you beat us. We're not going to let the ground game beat us here this week and he's missing his best he's missing his most correct. reliable weapon in Corey davis correct all right so i'm gonna go ahead if guys remember if you have questions make sure you're getting those on the on the chat here um i'm gonna pull up my twitter real fast and get to a question from an alex downs alex downs asks garrett wilson elijah moore alec pierce pick the best two so here we see the two new york jets and garrett wilson 
Elijah Moore. And then we see an Alec Pierce with a backup quarterback, which is very nerve wracking for me in terms of starting him this week. Um, backup quarterback probably hasn't had many reps with Alec Pierce. If we know anything about backup quarterbacks, when they're under distress, they're going to go to the wide receiver one, and that's Michael Pittman here, obviously, in the Indianapolis Colts offense. Who would you pick out of those three? You must pick two. Uh, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, or Alec Pierce? I think Garrett Wilson has to be a lock. Since we're picking two, we have to say Wilson off the jump, right? Because Corey Davis is out. We just talked about that a bit. He's going to be the number one weapon for the Jets the other side of that coin is like with Elijah Moore's recent comments about wanting to be traded and the Jets saying no, it does line up for a, you know, squeaky wheel gets the grease. I, we mm -hmm. talked about this, I think, with Steven a few weeks yep. ago when he was yep. like, I'm not sure if I played DJ Moore. And I'm like, dude, DJ Moore is going to have five targets in the first quarter. Like, right. And he did. Right. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have a crazy week that week. I think he had like 11 targets, six catches for 50 yards. But they're going to get him involved. It scares the hell out of me to say start two Jets running backs. I mean, two Jets wide receivers right. said that's going to be such a run-heavy game. On the other right. side, Pierce with Ellinger, like you were talking about, that's a disaster too. I don't yeah. think – I honestly would check the waiver wire. I would go yeah. back in and scour. Is Josh Reynolds available in a potential shootout? Is, you know, uh, Goodwin available in case Metcalf is getting limited snaps? Is is Michael Gallup available now that Noah Brown has been ruled out for the Cowboys? Like Those are the, the other directions that I would look. Who on the Packers? Sammy Watkins available now that right. Lazard is out. Like These are other directions that I would look. Yeah, and I agree there. If I had to pick two of those guys, it would be the two Jets guys. And in terms of Elijah Moore, right? So you could look at this both ways. Obviously, he's complaining he wants out. So if the Jets want to trade him, wouldn't you want to get the most value out of him and make sure that you are getting him involved this week? So teams are like, oh, look, you know, he's pretty good. Let's get him up. And then on the other side of the coin, if you want to keep him around, you got to keep him happy, right? So get him involved as early and as often as you can. I don't love him, obviously, this week. I'm not saying I love him, but if I had to pick um, and play Elijah Moore, those are my reasonings for doing so. Um, speaking of that, Michael Gallup, I, he was available in my league. I actually dropped him. I, I couldn't. Couldn't hold him any longer. There was a bunch of guys that I wanted to pick up in terms of higher upside in my view. But go to that Dallas game, and let's talk quickly about the run game. Zeke Elliott has officially been ruled out. I absolutely love Pollard in this spot. I think Pollard is going to eat against the Chicago Bears um, in the game today. I think he's up there as a RB1 in, in almost all formats, especially in PPR. I'm loving Pollard this week. What do you think? Hard to avoid. Uh, in the I, I host the, the DFS pod for Sportitos, as you know, JP. He is in every single lineup that the DFS optimizers, you know, the advanced <laughs> statistics formulas. I check a few of those so I know who's going to be highly owned, who are the sneaky plays. Tony Pollard is in literally every single optimizer lineup that you could possibly find. Uh, he has a... 18.9 fantasy point projection according to the wow. sites that I check, which is a 3.1 X on his value proposition because he only wow. costs six thousand dollars. So if he's scoring over 18, he's three Xing his price tag. Um, so that's great, great value in the DFS space. Um, I do think I am personally avoiding it in DFS just because of how chalk it is, and I think I'm right. gonna go with a guy like Foreman. That's my personal pivot. 
However, like, yeah, the, the recipe lines up for it to be an absolutely great day for Tony Pollard and for me to feel like I need to shoot myself in the foot for doing something like that and fading it. Uh, while we're on that note, um, Kenneth Walker and Alvin Kamara are the other two running backs heavily played in the DFS world this week. So uh, Kamara, potential shootout. The over in the Raiders-Saints game has been pounded. So if we're looking for streamers, I would look to that game. I, you know, you could pull up Mac Hollins for receivers. You could right. pull up Juan Johnson for a tight end. Uh, Kamara is heavily, heavily played in the DFS space. Um, and then Kenneth Walker on the other side, he's just been crushing for Seattle. Uh, he's also heavily played and his price tag does not reflect how much volume he's getting. So those are the three guys you mentioned, Tony Pollard. I just also wanted to throw in Kamara and Kenneth Walker as the other names relevant to Tony Pollard this week in the DFS space. So uh, in DFS space, so I got a question on DFS on my Twitter and it's, it has to be DFS. He didn't specify, but he's asking uh, Henry or Jacobs. I mean, if you have Henry or Jacobs on your season long team, you better be having, you better be having, be, be, be playing them. But in terms of I'm DFS, <laughs> who's the more expensive running back this week? Is it Henry or is it Jacobs? Cause they're both absolutely killing it as of right now. Who's the more so expensive Henry, guy there? Henry is definitely the more expensive guy. Um, Henry is the option that I would go for just simply talking those two heads up. Yeah. Like if we're talking about a price ratio, then it gets more of an interesting conversation because Jacobs does cost less. This is the week where the price tag has caught up to Jacobs and he's going against a defense that even though this season has not been good and we do have a fairly large sample size to work on this season. So maybe we could just call the Saints defense, not a good run defense, However, historically, right. they've been a great run defense, and they do have a lot of the same players and a lot of the same staff. So I think every week we've been waiting for the, the, the Saints to kind of turn the tide and become a good run defense. Is it this week? Is it the week that Josh Jacobs, you know, his price tag is 7500 and, and crosses the 7000 threshold? It's only a few hundred dollars difference from Derrick Henry. Um I would go Henry in those situations. I am personally, the reason why I am not playing Tony Pollard, JP, is because I am spending up to get Derrick Henry on gotcha. my lineup. He's playing against the Houston Texans this week with Malik Willis. Do you think the uh, them bringing in Malik helps or hurts Henry? How do you think that changes things for, for the run game in Tennessee? I think further down the line, if Willis is going to continue to start for Tennessee, I think it's going to hurt him a little bit because of Willis's ability to run compared to Tannehill. But as far as this game, I think they're going to rely on Henry. Let's get Willis comfortable. Let's not throw a million times. Let's 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 get it out of, in his hands quick, out of his hands quick. Three step drops, things like that. I do not see you know Malik Willis dropping you know five step drops, throwing post patterns and things like that, especially for his first game. Let's let him get comfortable, but. In terms of season long, if Willis continues to start, which I don't think – I don't know. I haven't really read many reports. But the one thing that I did read is that Tannehill is the starter moving forward when he's 100% healthy. Um, but if Willis continues to start, I do think that hurts him a tad. Now, it's still Derrick Henry, right? I mean, he's still going to get his touchdowns. He's still going to break off those long runs. And, and, and he's still obviously playable in season long and in daily. But I would just – you know. Maybe bumping down two points probably per game, something like that. Nothing crazy. In daily, I was also looking at a guy like Robert Woods if Tannehill right. was playing because, again, we have no Traylon Burks and they're going against the Houston Texans. Uh, so I was looking at Robert Woods as, hey, this guy's really cheap and he's going to be the number one wide receiver on this team. 
and they're going against a shitty team. Does that change with Malik? I think I pivot away from one of the receivers now that you have a rushing quarterback as well. Yeah, I pivot away from the receivers here too. Let's just see what Willis can do before we go ahead and insert one of those guys into our season long and into daily. Um, you, for rookies, quarterbacks, I'm I'm always always hesitant to start their wide receivers. I don't, you know, it, it's it's unless of course you have you know um, an AJ Brown or a Julio Jones, somebody in their prime that's just a big bodied receiver where you're in trouble. They're going to throw it up and they can get up and go get it. But mm-hmm. with a Robert Woods and a Bobby Woods, that is all timing routes, right? That's when he finds a spot in his own, when he's gonna when he's gonna break down on his route. It's all timing with the quarterback. So I would I would pivot away there as well. I got another question here. Um, we have a running back question. We got Mostert or Stevenson in a full point PPR. I know we talked about the uh the New England game in terms of being a run heavy game. However, I kind of lean Moistert here. Um, I, I think this Lions run defense is one of the worst in the league. I think they're going to play more of a keep everything in front of us type game against the, the Miami Dolphins, right? You do not want Hill running down the field on one-on-one coverages. You don't want Waddle running down the field on one-on-one coverages. So they're going to drop the safeties back 15 or so yards. Bing, bang, boom, Moistert, five yards of carry, something like that. But I don't mind playing any one of these guys. But if I had to choose one, I'd probably go Moistert here. I would wonder with the Ramondre, with like Damian Harris now being healthy again, we've seen Ramondre clearly take the, the, the lead in the workload. I think he continues, but does Damian Harris get closer to like a 60-40 split? Does he get closer to up to back to his you know 50-50 timeshare? Uh, it's been like 75-25 the other way, which is something that Bill Belichick normally doesn't do, but Harris has been banged up, so... In a game where the Dolphins are playing in Detroit against a terrible run D and that game has a point total at nearly 52 points, I think it's 51 and a half right now, uh, you want to start as many players in that game as you can. I would go with Mostert. I would expect him to try and get in the end zone. And when Mostert's healthy, I mean, he's must start Mostert, right? Like yep. the guy runs so angry and he's a beast. So you got to go, you got to roll with it. Yeah, and just as a little side note here, you know, news broke, obviously, like Darius Tony was traded from the New York Giants to the Kansas City Chiefs. We got to talk about this, right? Because the potential of Darius Tony going off is extremely high. However, on Twitter, you I'm finding a lot of mixed mix bag here, right? We have an, fantasy guys that are very high on Darius Tony, and then we have fantasy guys that are like, don't even worry about it, don't even grab him. He's not worth, you know, grabbing. What do you think Kadarius Tony's outlook is for the rest of the season in Kansas City? It's a really hard question. For the it rest is. this season in Kansas City, I would think he's not really reliable, not really playable. He's going to have big weeks where he pops off, but predicting those big weeks is going to be nearly impossible. I think Mahomes said at the beginning of the season, like, I'm sorry to fantasy owners that you're not going to be able to he figure did. it out yep. this year. It's very true. I don't think Kadarius Tony is going to be integrated into this off- offense enough to make a huge difference. I'll bite my tongue if I'm wrong. He's also a former quarterback. I think he was a college quarterback. Mm-hmm. The guy is not used to being hit over the middle, and that is why he's been so banged up in his career because he's used to being protected and not being touched on the football field. Now he's getting jacked up, as they used to play on the segments, as he runs crossing routes across the middle – that completely his body feels so different on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. He simply has not been able to stay on the field. If you have a high volume week from Kadarius Tony, 
it, your chances that he's actually going to be active the next week are, are a coin flip. It's, it's yeah. tough to buy into that. I'm going to, he'll be like, uh, if you play fantasy basketball, you know, guys like Alperin Sengun, who's like so hyped up, so young still, and they're just not giving him the workload because of his age and his body type. I'm going to wait until I see it before I buy in on Kadarius Tony. I'd rather be too, I'd rather be one season too late and then join the train than try and predict it early and get a slate breaking. Cause I think he's always going to be relatively waverable. Yeah, with that being said, however, I would definitely roster him if he is on your free agent list, right? Yeah, end of a roster spot, yeah. Ab- absolutely. I mean, you have nothing to lose, right? With those end of the roster spots, right, I love having an upside like Tony. Like you said, he could explode a- any given week. And when yep. these bye weeks are coming up, those are the type of guys that I like playing if I have one receiver on a bye that potential of an explosion because you only need that guy for one week, right? And you grew up praying your fingers across that it's that week that he and explodes. It only takes, JP, it only takes, you know, Juju to be out one week, right. MVS right. to be out one week for, for Kadarius Tony Hardman, to yeah. getting, you know, 70% of snaps for the Chiefs. Yeah, I also think he's an absolute head case, but being a New York Giants fan myself, I had high expectations for him. But then when all the news broke that you know, he was potentially faking an injury – and all this other stuff, I wanted nothing to do with him. Our culture is too good right now to keep a guy like that in the locker room. So six and one New York football Giants. Around, do we? No, we don't want that joker around at all. Guys, uh, just a reminder, if you have any fantasy questions, make sure you're getting those on to the comments now. So, Fitz, I know you had a question for me. The better drop candidate, Gibson or Latavius Murray? Um, I would suggest holding on Gibson. Okay, There is some rumor going around that he could possibly be shipped. Okay, so if he gets shipped, he could jump right into a very playoff-bound type football team that is either looking for a running back or a third down back, which then tells me that his value is going to be higher than Latavius's current value, and I don't think Latavius's value is going to go any higher than it currently is. As we just said, end-of-the-bench type guys, you want to have upside. So I'm going to hold Gibson, and I'm going to drop Latavius there. Where was your yeah. mind going when you, when, you, when you had those two guys? Can I throw in a little wrench to the equation? Throw it in. Latavius just played in London this morning. He had 11 carries and a touchdown to Melvin Gordon's nine carries. They are on by next week. So there's a chance that like I could just let Latavius go because I need a kicker. I'm holding on to too many guys and I need a kicker before the the window starts. So I need Mm -hmm. to drop someone before the one o'clock. And I was like, I could just wait and see how Latavius does in London and now he's getting, you know, 55% of the carries and he got the touchdown. So I don't know. It's tough for me to – I do agree. Gibson's, you know, a nice handcuff to Brian Robinson, who I also have, if that changes mm-hmm. anything. I, mm-hmm. I'm really torn on this one. Really torn. Yeah, it, it is. It's a tough one. Um, but I don't know. Latavius Murray is Latavius Murray. We know what Latavius Murray is. I, again, just like the upside in Gibson. Let's talk tight ends real quick, okay? Because obviously the tight end position, as we cover it every single week here live on the show, is an absolute nightmare. Um, it's it's a hit-or-miss position this year. It's one of the hardest positions to predict in all of fantasy football this year, unless, of course, you have Andrews and or Kelsey. And even if you have Andrews right now, you are panicking um, due to his injuries. Because if you started him this week, he looked like he was going to—he was on his way to a thirty-point performance, and then he goes down with what looked like a pretty bad shoulder injury. I don't know if you were watching the game, Fitz, but when he got tackled and he got up, you just saw he, his whole body was slouched. 
And you could just tell his his shoulder was totally out, and he had to get it popped in on the sidelines. And if you, as I have, has ever dislocated their shoulder and tore things in their shoulder, it is not fun. You got to wear that big, heavy, bulky brace, which allows your arm to go like halfway up, and it's zero fun, especially playing tight end where you're constantly in the trenches and you need that shoulder. So according to tight ends, Fitz, do you have any sleeper tight ends for the people on the show today? I have a few, actually. Um I mean, I just obviously picking up Isaiah likely is not an option anymore, but that's right. a must pick up name going into next week if Andrews right. is still hurt. I happened to snag him in our Sports Ethos League before the game started on Thursday no. because of the concern. So I have a little bit of a head start on that guy. Um, Robert Tunyon going against mm-hmm. the Bills uh, in a game where the Packers should be behind and having to throw all game because Cobb is out, Lazard is out, and again, going against the Bills. So I like Tunyon. Uh, I like Juwan Johnson a yep. lot this mm-hmm. week. He is a core player for me in the DFS space. I released my core four podcast episode yesterday. Juwan Johnson is in every single lineup that I'm playing this week. He doesn't have Michael Thomas is out. He Jarvis right. Landry's out. And again, the Vegas Raiders suck against the pass. He's We have Dalton starting. He has a good rapport with Dalton. He had two touchdowns last week. Juwan Johnson, if you're in a little uh, tough spot for your tight end, I, that's the direction I would look. Everyone's probably owning Taysom Hill, but never starting him in the same way that we feel about Kadarius Tony. You just never know what week it's going to hit. This is the Juwan Johnson week for Saints tight ends. I believe it to be true. Yeah, I, I agree with all those. And I'll throw in one more name. I, I do like Irv Smith this week as well. Yeah. Um, reason for that is Arizona is giving up the second most points against tight ends, but I also love looking at targets, right? Targets are so important and he's averaging five targets or more, um, almost every week. I love Irv Smith here, especially if you are desperate for a tight end play. If he has somebody like Nojoku or, or Waller, who is not playing this week, I would look at the two guys that Fiddle had mentioned as well as Irv Smith. What about, um, JP, as a Giants guy, this guy Bellinger's out. What about Chris Myrick? Is he going to slide into that role? Is he just a blocker? Like, how does that shake out? The Giants have no receivers, and they get their tight end the ball. So is Myrick a guy who can get us, you know, three catches for 35, 40 yards? Yes, and I also think you need to bank on a touchdown, too, there. Um, I I think this is a Saquon Barkley all-over game type of, of week here. Um, they seem like they were getting Bellinger involved in terms of he was in motion a lot. They had him out in a slot. They really liked this young kid, and I'm upset that he got hurt for us this week because he was coming along. I would not start a Giants tight end this week. I would rather go for one of the guys that we had mentioned earlier. Um, I just don't see enough upside on uh, for any of the tight ends in New York besides Bellinger moving forward. Well, in a, I guess I guess the only place you can play Myrick is a DFS space, right, where he costs – right. The cost right. ratio thing by simply playing Myrick, you can get a better player somewhere else. You can't do that in season long lineups. So, could you play Myrick in a DFS? Is the bare minimum price? I I would think, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe if if you really want to spend up elsewhere, you might as well just yeah. throw a dart there. All right, let's get yeah. to some of these questions in the chat. Uh, our boss Dan, he he just messaged. He goes, "I'm stuck starting uh, playing Jameis. Should I quit my league?" Uh, Jameis, yes, I would quit your league, Dan, because Jameis is not playing. So I would not, I would not, <laughs> I would definitely quit the league. Um, go ahead and drop him, pick somebody else up and start him at the quarterback position. Uh, next question, David asks Foreman or Harris? And I'm guessing that's Najee Harris. Um, 
I'm going Foreman here. How the mighty have fallen that we're going to both recommend Foreman over Najee Harris. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going Foreman as well. And it's, yeah. And it's upsetting to me. I, I think Najee's still very good. I think he is just totally handcuffed in that offense. Um, they're just literally stacking the box and they're good. They're saying pass and try to beat us in the air. If we had said, sorry to interrupt you. If we yeah. had said we are starting Foreman over Najee <laughs> Harris before the season started, I would have said to you, Oh, Derek Henry got hurt. And right. then you would have responded to me. Foreman's not even on He's that in Carolina now. Yeah. <laughs> it like, is that's wild. The converse. It's so crazy how bad Najee's been, uh, and like Jalen Warren is taking over half the snaps there. I'd be really worried. Dynasty seasons, I'm even really worried about Najee. The whole Najee outlook has drastically changed in a few weeks. Yeah, and it, it's again, it's upsetting. I like Najee. Uh, I think he runs hard. It's I think he's just totally handcuffed on Pittsburgh right now. Um, next question: Jamar Chase worth trading for as an end of the season league winner when he returns? My question to you. David would be what are you willing to give away for Jamar Chase? Okay, so obviously you must be winning this league if you think that he can come in and be a league winner later on because you do never want to handcuff yourself, okay, and give away one of your starters for a guy like Jamar Chase who could potentially be back to help you in the playoffs. So it all comes down to what you are willing to give away. Is it a starter? I would say I'm not taking that risk with Jamar Chase. If it's one of your bench guys, I would probably say absolutely. So this actually just happened in my league. Um, the, th- the team in third place traded the following players, JP. You, you can evaluate this for us. Sure. Third I place, you said? Third place team okay. traded to, and the guy who owned Chase is in 11th place, so he needed some help real quick. Reinforcement. on an injured player. Michael Pittman. Yeah. TJ Hawkinson, Juju, and Cordero Patterson coming off IR for George Kittle and Jamar Chase. Woo. Um, I probably wouldn't have taken that trade if I was trying to get Chase. Um, I'm giving away too much, in my opinion. That's what I um think. yeah, I think you're giving away too much in the hopes that Jamar Chase comes back healthy for a playoff run and doesn't need time to run and practice and get his legs back, which is going to take another couple of weeks. Um, I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be just fine in terms of let's ease Jamar Chase back for our playoff run, not your playoff run in terms of fantasy football. Um, So I I think he gave away too much. I I also don't like Pittman's outlook with the quarterback play, but again, I don't know what I'm getting in return with Jamar Chase. Yeah, healthy Pittman's still going to get nine to ten targets every game. Correct, correct. All right, next question. Uh, Nujoku or Waller, who should I drop? I need a tight end today. Um, Juwan Johnson. Yeah, I would go ahead and pick up Johnson, and I would probably drop Nujoku just because of the time that he's going to miss. We don't really know. I know Waller hasn't been living up to expectations. Um, Nujoku has been killing it. Watson's going to be back, so is Watson going to rely on Nujoku as much, you know, as Nachoku is being relied upon now, or is Watson going to do what Watson does is get out of the pocket, either throw bombs or run it with his legs. I'm going to keep Waller here and, and, and drop Nachoku. Do you think uh, JP that the guy Harrison Bryant, who's filling in for Njoku's streamable this week? I think he's streamable, but again, I like the guys that we had mentioned earlier over him. 
Um, Njoku is just an absolute freak in terms of route running and his ability to get up and catch the ball. Half of his, his catches are contested. If not more than half of his catches are contested catches. Um, he's just got extremely strong hands. And I don't think that, you know, Brian guy is anything close to a receiver as Njoku is. So yes, he's streamable. If you're super desperate and all the guys we had mentioned are not available, he could catch a touchdown here, right? Because it looks like you know, uh, the Browns like going to the tight end spot. But again, if you've watched Nujoku play, it's always like that. I'm going to jump over you and get the ball type of catch. And it's not like you're wide open and I'm going to get you the ball. So I'd be hesitant there starting him. I feel the exact same. I don't need to add. Yep. All right. Another question here. Let's see. Okay. I have a question for you, Fitz. Okay. So I was looking at your betting slip that you had posted um, on Twitter and you have my New York Giants not covering the three-point spread. I <laughs> want to know why. What is happening? Why are you fading them? Again, you always fade my again. Giants and your Giants. <laughs> again, again, I love how you call me out on the again <laughs> portion of this. Um, yeah, I am. Uh, and the way I was preparing to respond to that was it's not going to stop. Um, this Giants team is winning one-score games right. every single week. They are not performing in terms of gambling advanced metrics we look at things like epa per play we look at things like a dot average depth of target we look at other uh advanced play calling and uh outcome statistics based on the plays that you called in terms of gambling and forecasting wins and losses are one of the most overrated stats in nfl football for forecasting future weeks i don't care if you're 10 and 3 or 3 and 10 Coming into this game, I care about how you play and how your situational football stacks up against the opponent. And I also take into consideration that the Vegas line knows these teams' records. They know these things. They are accounting for them. However, although I am fading the New York Giants repetitively because they are not up to snuff with their record, they've won more games than they should, the flip side of that is the sports books are not giving them respect either. So even though I'm fading the giants, it's not like I'm fading the respected giants. I'm kind of fading the still unrespected giants, which maybe is the reason why I've been getting those L's handed to me throughout the course of the season. Um, they were mine. They were, you know, underdogs to the Jaguars last week who are now two and six after losing in London this morning, they're underdogs to the Seahawks this week who are, you know, projected to be one of the worst teams in the league this season. So are the Giants even respected in the market? I don't know. Seahawks, like, I, I love this team. I right. think they're good. They, they run well. They have a good young defense that fights hard. They play hard for their coach, too. It's a very similar formula as the Giants. Um, and Seahawks are home. They have the highest win rate of any team in the NFL since joining that stadium. Second is the Minnesota Vikings since they moved into their dome. So the 12th man thing is real, and I'm buying into that this week. Yeah, and like you mentioned, their culture is the same, but they play the same too. It's kind of like a mirror image of each other, right? They rely on that run game, run game, run game, run game, and they'll pop a few passes here and there. Um, so, and with Metcalf being banged up too, this is the only reason why I asked. Um, I think he's active, um, or he said it's he's going to so try to play. Active. He got carted off. What Wild. an absolute freak that he Wild. eats skittles for lunch. Looks like <laughs> like Iron Man gets carted off the field and still comes back in one week. I, I want to steal Metcalf's DNA and put it in my own body. Yeah, he is an absolute freak. But if you have him, I'm a little worried about playing him because I got caught no, in that trap with Bateman, right? I started Bateman 
thinking, oh, you know, I'm good, whatever. Oh, he's, he's had limited practices this week. First play uh, target that he gets, the guy gets hurt again, and we saw him like two or three plays for the rest of the game. I had a very bad Thursday. for the. I couldn't sleep that night. It was a terrible mm-hmm. feeling. But that's the same kind of situation as you're walking in with, with DK Metcalf. I am not starting him, obviously, this week. He could be an absolute decoy out there on the field. Um, you have If he's on the field, you got to give attention to him um, if you're the New York football giants on defense. But in terms of fantasy, I'm fading him everywhere. Um, we have a question here for another tight end question. Fairmuth or Dallas Goddard today in a full point PPR? Going against each other, those two. Steelers, Eagles right there. Uh, yeah. Flip a coin, Krista, and yeah, flip a coin. Poison because that one's really hard to predict. I guess Goddard because we expect the Eagles to be the winning team and to score more points there. Yeah. I would probably go Goddard too. Um, I just also rely on the quarterback, uh, uh, yeah. you know, I think the quarterback plays obviously better in both Philadelphia. Of those, both of those guys have, you know, been real steady eddies at tight end this year. Yeah. So I wouldn't be mad starting any one of those guys. Fizz, I get a lot of questions here about Chris Olave, right? Should I start Chris Olave? Should I start X player? Chris Olave, X player. And my response is you got to get Chris Olave in your lineup, right? Yep. I don't understand why you're even debating it at this point. This yep. kid is an absolute stud. I was high on him early in the season coming out of Ohio State. Just the route, his route running is superb. He get he gets open in zones. He knows where to find. He's unbelievable. And not only that, New Orleans is all banged up, right? He's he is their guy this week. And I think moving forward, they I think they've had enough of Michael Thomas, like the rest of us have at this point, <laughs> in terms of him like getting onto the field. I've had enough of Michael Thomas. I loved Michael Thomas. I think he was a PPR machine, but he can't get out of his own way. So if you have any Chris Olave questions, the answer is Chris Olave. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, olive oil Olave, I call him. You got to start him. He's a must start. He's going to uh, grease your team this week with his oily skills. Um, <laughs> he's going against, a, we've talked about this a few times, against the Raiders. The Raiders every single week this season have allowed their opposing quarterback to finish top 10 in fantasy. So that means the wide receivers also get points. It is a dream, dream matchup for Olave. He is in every single DFS optimizer lineup. He is in my core DFS lineup. He is an absolute must play. He's probably he's, he's a chance at a top five wide receiver week. All right. I think it's time we take a stab at what quarterback is going to score the most fantasy points this week. And we and I and I don't want to hear Josh Allen. All right. That's that's not allowed. That's off the table. Okay. <laughs> Josh Allen would be my pick every single week. Let's go a little bit further down and let who do you think is going to be the top quarterback outside of Josh Allen this week? Do I have to skip Jalen Hurts too? No, you can put Jalen Hurts out there. I think if you're if, if, if that's the cheat answer is to just say if Josh Allen's off the table, it's go right to Jalen Hurts with with Mahomes and and, and, and Herbert on by right. and, and Lamar already played. But the, the sneaky answer is Tua. And Tua is my DFS quarterback. He's in my core. He's in all the optimizers again. He has a dream matchup. And if we're talking about the price to point ratio, like we often do in the DFS space, uh, Tua, is, Tua is a really, really good option for this week. If we're talking about who do I think is simply just going to have the most points, I'm going to take Hertz. But if I think who's the best uh, price ratio, Tua. Is Tua cheap because Detroit just can't stop the run and people are thinking that they're going to run a lot? Or is it just because it's Tua? Like, I don't understand why people Tua are feeding Tua so hard. Tua is $6,200. So he is, uh, you know, a few like hundred. Like Burrow and Prescott type? 
territory? He is a few hundred behind Dak, and he is $100 more expensive than Kirk Cousins and Matt Stafford. So, yeah. That's, that's yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I would, yeah, I would go here. I would definitely go with two if that's, if that's, but it's what still, it's still, you know, it's over $2,000 difference from Jalen Hurts. It's over $1,000 difference from Kyler Murray. So it's like, for those reasons, there is a big drop off. And then two was like, wow, I could play him at 6,200, save $2,000, which is like an additional player on its own. Right. Kyler Murray's is sneaky here, too, in my opinion. Very, I think, you very know, good, I, I, very good spot for Kyler. I agree, and I think you know having his dude back in Hopkins is going to make an absolute huge difference for him. You even saw in, in last week's game, you know he he just looked more confident in the pocket than he has any time other than the, previously before Hopkins got back. He was very jittery in the pocket last week. He was kind of pumping. He was standing there hopping around like he usually did last year when Hopkins was available. The limited time that they played together, but I really like I, I do like Kyler Murray this week. Now Tua or Murray, I think that's a toss up. Flip a coin. I may lean Murray. Um, Murray, straight yeah. up, straight up points. Murray, price to point ratio to a. Yeah, correct. All right, another question. Uh, full point PPR: AJ Dillon or Michael Gallup? You're getting zero from both of them, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I I have AJ Dillon, and I don't know what to do in one of my leagues. It's a, a half point PPR league. I benched him this week, and I'm starting guys that I would never even imagine starting in fantasy football this year at all, and A.J. Dillon sitting on my bench. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I think if I was the Green Bay Packers, I would look to ship Dillon, pay Aaron Jones, and then get that headache off my mind because beginning of the season, it was all Aaron Jones. This is his last season. Then it's going to be fully A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon has been very stinky since week one. 20 points in week one, and I think he's had under five in the past, you know, four to five weeks, which to me is absolutely disgusting. I, If I had to choose, I'm going to go Gallup here and pray that he catches a few deep passes and possibly one of those corner of the end zone comeback touchdowns for the Dallas Cowboys. We also have Noah Brown out. So Noah right. Brown has been even running more routes and more playing more snaps than Gallup. Uh, Gallup's getting his full complement number two wide receiver roll back today Gallup I mean AJ Dillon you just can't even can't start him all right top let's do this and then we're going to sign off everybody because I got to check my rosters as well top flex play and I'm going to go ahead and we talked about this guy earlier I'm going Pollard I think Pollard is going to have an absolute monster game in my opinion if you know if you listen to my podcast and you've watched this show before I like guys that are in prove it type games I think Pollard in the back of his mind knows that he should be RB1 in Dallas and this is his time in his mind that he could take control. Now, I don't think Zeke Elliott will ever be phased out of this Cowboys offense at all. But what I am saying is that I think Pollard can play himself into some more carries if he goes off this week. So my top player this week is Pollard. I love that. Uh, I'm going to go Foreman just to go different from you. Yep. Uh, similar situation. The other running backs hurt. He's going to get a full complement of snaps, even though he's not priced that way. He's not you know, viewed that way in season long fantasy formats. Uh, sneaky other option that I like is Jacoby Myers. I think, I think this might be a lay the hammer down week for the Patriots. I like Hunter Henry. I like Jacoby Myers. I like Patriots defense. I think, I think sneaky Patriots action today. Do you think new England tries to gain some, put some confidence back into Mac Jones with all this quarterback controversy that's been going on. And if they do, and they pass a little bit more than they have in the past, I guess, right, Myers has got to be that dude. 
Yeah. So that's something to think about too there if you're yep. if you're looking at Jacoby Myers. Yep. We know Mac, we know Mac and Myers have more of a rapport than Zappy. Yep. And last question on the chat. D Hop going over six receptions. True or false? True. D Hop is going over six receptions this week. If it's a prop bet, I'm not betting it. Right. Uh, I'd want to know the juice on it. Are you paying minus anything beyond minus one ten? Then I wouldn't take that. If you're if it's six and a half, you know, I definitely wouldn't take that. Uh, do I think it might happen in real life? Sure. I mean, Hopkins is an absolute beast. Am I putting my money where my mouth is? No. Do I think it still happens? Yes. And that'll do it. Everybody have an awesome week eight. Best of luck. And we'll see everybody back next week. Make sure you like and subscribe. Very important. Love you guys. And we'll see you next week. Later. Love you too, JP. Take care, buddy. Peace, bro. Good luck.